If we forget the inherent dignity of the human person, then everything falls apart. Hi everyone, Gary Tester here from Catholic Charities. And this is Father Anthony from Catholic Charities. And today we're here for another podcast on Mercy in Action. Hi, Hi. Father. Hi, so what are we going to speak about today? Well, today I thought we'd talk about the dignity of work and the rights of workers, going back to our themes on Catholic social teaching. Wow, it's been a long time since we have done one of those. It really has, and I hope you don't mind that this is the one I pulled. Okay, well, I, I think we can go ahead with them, you know, because... So how many have we done so far? Uh, this is our fourth. This is our fourth. Mm -hmm. Oh, so we probably have how many more to go? We have this one plus three. Wow. So it's seven. It is seven. Seven of them. Seven key themes of Catholic social teaching. Wow. wow. And I've already planned out the last one. <laughs> My goodness, you know, I hope I'll be alive for that one. Oh, I'll keep you there, Father. Don't <laughs> worry. Know. Good Lord willing, yeah, we'll do just fine. And the creek don't rise. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly right. So what have you prepared for us to start our conversation today? Well, in, interestingly enough, you know, I, I saw in the Missal that there's a Mass for the Sanctification of Human Labor. I wonder I how many people know, know that. that that is there. I did not know that. So I'm going to use the collect from that and also one of the suggested readings that you would have for that. Well, let's get started, Father Anthony. So maybe we should start with a prayer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God who through human labor never cease to perfect and govern the vast work of creation. Listen to the supplications of your people and grant that all men and women may find work that befits their dignity, joins them more closely to one another, and enables them to serve their neighbor. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. And our reading is from the first book of Genesis. The first book of the Bible, Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> and we begin at verse 26. God said, Let us make man in our image, to our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the wild animals, and over all creeping things that crawl along the ground. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said, I have given you every seed-bearing plant which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree that bears fruit with seed. It will be for your food to every wild animal, to every bird of the sky, to everything that creeps along the ground, to everything that has the breath of life, I give every green plant for food. So it was. God saw all that he had made, 
and it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. That was the way the sky and the earth were created, and all their vast array. By the seventh day, the work God had done was completed, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. And so it seems very interesting that as we look at the dignity of work and the rights of the workers, is that this reading puts everything in the whole context of creation. So that when God created the world and everything in it, God looked at it and it was good. And of course, we always look at the human being as the crown of God's creation. And God has put the humans that he made in charge of the created world to take care of it in order that it could continue to be good. And so the person who is created is good. And the things that they do in order to preserve the world is also good. And therefore, the work that one does, the work is a holy work and a dignified work. And by doing this, we're always collaborating with God. So in a sense, through work, you know, um, to use a word that we have heard, you know, in the past, we become, as it were, co-creators mm -hmm. with God, taking care of God's creation. And I'm sure that this is what we'll probably be looking at as we continue our discussion this day. Well, I'm afraid we're not going to have enough time to cover all the aspects of this because when I was contemplating just the rights of the worker and the dignity of work, there are so many different facets of what comes into play. And I didn't even think of what you just articulated in terms of just creation itself. And I'm thinking then, because I was, I, in my mind, I'm thinking of the formal aspect of work, that which I do for a wage. But work comes in many shapes and forms and sizes. And this applies to all work, as you've just pointed out. We are co-creators in all aspects of life. Precisely. So it means that any work that we do, if we're flipping burgers, then that is collaborating with God, whatever it is, you know. You know, that's fabulous because one of the, one of the things I thought about Again, in just contemplating this dignity of work, how many people are engaged in a formal occupation where they are compensated for doing what they do and they hate it? Hmm. Or they think it doesn't make a difference. It's not glamorous. It's not important. Um, I, I, uh, my first job out of high school was working in a hospital laundry, sorting dirty clothes. Now, you can imagine from an OR, from a labor delivery, from an emergency room, from med surge beds, you can imagine the kind of work that sorting dirty clothes in a hospital laundry is. And yet the reality was without the laundry, the hospital couldn't function. Precisely. And so there was a dignity to the work. Mm -hmm. And when you fold a gown for a patient, you're mindful someone's going to wear that and it's going to be all that covers them. So make sure it's clean. Make sure it's folded right. You know, I remember that one of the things that we... We used to have in the old days in religious houses, retreat houses in mm -hmm. particular, is that persons who are leaving a retreat center, 
were always asked to make the beds before they leave. And they would make the bed praying for the next person who would wow. be using that bed. Wow. And therefore, you know, everything we do should be shrouded in prayer so that when you're cleaning those hospital gowns, when you're mopping up the OR floor, mm -hmm. praying for the persons who will be using the OR, that's you know, right. whether they're patients, surgeons, nurses, whoever they are. That's right. I take it a step further, Father, and, and as you're talking about the aspect of co-creation, I'm a parent. Lynn and I have children that we are responsible for, and so being parents is work. It's not compensated work, but mm -hmm. it, it nonetheless is work. It, again, it's uh, what we do with our children mm -hmm. in raising them and taking care of them and teaching them to take care of their home and the things that they have, again, goes back to this notion that we are doing it in harmony with God. Mm -hmm. Right, you know, and, and therefore, whatever we're doing, it should become rewarding work. And I guess, in a sense, we have to think that the employee and the employer should see to it that that work is, you know, dignified work. And therefore, we have to create the environment in which that work is given or the worker is given the dignity that he or she deserves. And that comes in many different facets. I mean, in today's world, I guess I would say culturally and politically, we often think about, well, you know, the, the most important way to give dignity to the worker is to pay them a wage. And, and we certainly see that politically now where the minimum wage is going from $10 an hour to $15 an hour over a period of five years. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I think people obviously need to be able to make what we would call a living wage. Mm -hmm. And yet we need to understand, and there are psychological studies that show it in, in, in it from a different standpoint, the money they earn in and of itself does not give them inherent dignity. And I think that the first thing is, is that we have to show that respect for the person who works there. Because once we overlook the person and we just think, oh, you know, he's just employed, he's getting a wage. But recognizing him, saying hello to him when we pass by and not just passing by, then you move on. But mm -hmm to stop, have a little conversation. How are you doing? Get to know the person. And here we see the beautiful mystery of Catholic social teaching. Precisely. Because what you've just articulated <clears throat> is the first tenet of Catholic social teaching. Every life has dignity, every life is sacred. And is this what we, we think, that, that it flows through the seven principles mm -hmm. of Catholic social teaching? Mm -hmm. You know, um, if we forget the inherent dignity of the human person, then everything falls apart. With that in mind, let's flip this. In culture, and it's even in scripture, I believe the Apostle Paul articulates, you should work for your, for your food. Mm -hmm. So we hear a lot of people, mm -hmm. critics of outreach ministries, who say that people need to pull themselves up by the bootstrap. And if you don't work, you don't eat. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul kind of says that in Scripture, mm -hmm. yeah. but I think there's probably more to the way that that's articulated than we give credit for. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, because, and Paul says, you know, if a person does not work, that person should not eat. Mm -hmm. But really, we have to make sure that persons can find something to do. And that, I think, is a huge issue mm -hmm. because it's, it's like everyone should have the 
responsibility to take care of themselves mm -hmm. in terms of work. Mm -hmm. And obviously no one can do that. I don't, I can't fathom any aspect of work that doesn't impact a broader group. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know of anyone who works just for themselves and it never impacts anyone else. It's, I, I don't think that's possible. But what I do think is that along with that responsibility to work, what I hear you saying is we have to make sure that because of the dignity of each human person, they have the right to work and that we recognize the dignity of the work that they do. Mm -hmm. and, and you see, because part of it is that it's empowering the worker. You know, I've, I've heard of people, so I won't say that I know of people, who earn very, very, very large sums of money, mm -hmm. but who have a hard time getting to work every day because they just don't enjoy their work. Mm -hmm. so, so it's not the money. It has to be the satisfaction that comes with with doing that particular job you know okay so now i'm going way off the beaten track but it's, you know how my mind works father so i'm thinking of the blessed mother at the age of 15 or so being told by the angel gabriel that she's going to bear a child she says how can this be he explains and she says let it be done unto me according to your word mm -hmm. and then what does she do she goes in haste on a work journey to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is expecting and six months pregnant, and goes to take care of her. She immediately assumes a worker's posture to go and take care of someone else. And I think sometimes we lose sight of what work is. Mm -hmm. we, we equate work with so many pieces for so many, so many dollars. Mm -hmm. And in reality, God has made life such that we have the ability to work from the time we rise until the time that we retire. Mm -hmm. Based on that, I think that every job that someone does is going to be of benefit to someone else. Mm -hmm. So, see, so talk about the Blessed Mother. Let's think about the, the first miracle of the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. Mm -hmm. We see the dignity of those workers there because Mary went to the workers mm -hmm. and she said, do whatever he tells you. And why would they do it? They were doing it because they recognized that something needed to be done. There was no wine. Mm -hmm. Their job was to see to that there was wine. And so when Jesus told them to fill up these water jars, they filled them up, you know, willingly. Mm -hmm. Because somehow they felt that their efforts, the effort that they were putting into this, was going to bring about a change. What change? They didn't know, but they were willing to do it. Just like she said, let it be to me according to your word. So do whatever he tells you. And then I think of the Lord himself. And he didn't do that miracle as the first of his public signs. It was the first of his public signs, but he did it because his mother said they need help. And so again, Father, you point out that every piece of work that we do, everything, even the Lord himself, impacts someone else. Mm -hmm. In this case, it impacted the workers because they saw the miracle. It impacted the couple that had just been married because they weren't publicly embarrassed. It impacted his disciples because we learn in Scripture that then they began to believe. So there's numerous facets uh, of one little story. 
So, so you see that all of the work that is done in this world should have those kinds of impact on people. So what do we do to help others understand that? You know, Catholic social teaching has, has been changed, uh, I guess, from a terminology standpoint. What we hear a lot about now is social justice. And I really like that concept of Catholic social teaching because that's what drives justice in the social realm. Precisely. And it's, well, how can we help people to know that every job that every person does all day long has, should have dignity? You see, and well, based on all the, the things that we have been doing, you know, this being our fourth podcast, when, when we look at it, so we started first with the dignity of the human person. Right. And therefore, if we have that respect for the human person, it means that every action that we carry out, every word that we speak, will always be applied to that kind of situation, to bring about that kind of change. Because it is the only way that we're going to bring about the change in our world. It's a conversion of attitudes, I think, that is needed. You know, it just in flashing in front of my head is St. Teresa of Avila. And I'm thinking of, I, I don't have the whole quote in my head, but I'm, what, what jumped into my mind just now is God alone suffices. Hmm. The reason it jumped into my head is if we come from the standpoint, everything we do should be for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Not for any other reason. Mm-hmm. It's for the glory of God. How I make my bed, how I take care of my children, how I run Catholic charities, how I interact with you. It's done for the glory of God. In that aspect, then, I take on a whole new attitude towards everything I do. If I open the door for Catherine, it's done for the glory mm-hmm. of God. It's not done so she thinks I'm a great gentleman. Mm-hmm. And I think that may be where we could perhaps take this aspect of Catholic social teaching and help people to really contemplate every moment of every day, do everything you do for the greater glory of God. Because in a sense, you know, when we think of it, is that the word work, you know, sort of is so gravely misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if we think of work we think it's it's something that is onerous or whatever it is but you know everything we do is work if i give a homily it is work takes a lot of work to get ready to give that if i if i celebrate mass it is work Mm -hmm. but but what kind of work is it for the glory of god precise worship well so the ministries in which i'm involved in in the diocese of orlando there are ministries that deal with difficult situations or persons who are having a lot of difficulties. Mm-hmm. But how do I approach them in my work with them? Is that I have to recognize that what I'm doing for them and with them is to help them to become the people that God wanted them to be. And that brings us what God, what God wants us to be. Is it fair to say, Father Anthony, that the Lord desires for each of us to do something unique and specific in this world? Oh, it's very fair. You know, we we go back to the reading we start with from Genesis so that, you know, we always think when God said, be fruitful and multiply, Mm -hmm. that he was talking about, you know, um, procreation. Mm -hmm. But 
but be fruitful, you know, live fruitful lives and multiply that just like the loaves are multiplied, you know, um, the feeding of 5,000, that, that our works should be multiplied. In other words, it should be reaching out to more and more people because we have 5,000 plus who need to be fed and we need to gather up the fragments after that. And so another, this is a great conversation, another scripture verse that comes to mind is the fact that when two or three are gathered in his name, and what I'm, what I'm hearing, I think spiritually, what I'm, what I'm contemplating is when we come together recognizing that everything we do is work, and everything we do has the ability to be done for the glory of God. And if you and I come together to do a podcast, which is work, it's not all fun mm -hmm. and games, but if we come well, it together, is fun and game. it is fun. Go, 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 it is fun, and you are a game player. But <laughs> uh, we digress. I think if we come together to do that, then we have the ability to impact others and actually draw them in. And then the number of people doing it for the glory of God, walking away saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna recognize the people I interact with today who are working. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna recognize them differently." You know, Catholic charities. You know, we do morning prayer and we pray over our workers. We pray over the people we serve. We have the ability to truly transform the world simply by doing all for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Those who are listening to this podcast, to think of the positions they hold in their place of employment. The employer, the owner, they may be a supervisor. How do you interact with the people who work with you? And I'd prefer to say work with you rather than the people who work under you because nobody is supposed to be subservient. You know, how do we interact with them? Do we see them as our brothers and sisters? How do we treat them? And if we treat them right, that will become the most successful company that you could ever ask for. And we'll be bringing about a change in the world. I remember when I interviewed with Bishop Noonan for this position, I had read a book about the three S's of, of leadership, but it was the three S's of Christian leadership based on the model of, of Jesus himself. And it was, we're called to be servant, shepherd, and steward. Mm -hmm. And what you just articulated applies to anybody who works. Mm -hmm. You are a servant to others because your work impacts others. You are a steward of whatever resources are given to you to conduct your work. And you're a shepherd in the sense that you're mindful of everyone who's always around you and you're constantly shepherding them to do the best that they can. I bring it all back. I didn't plan it this way, Father, but I bring it all back to <clears throat> we do it for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Yes, all for the greater glory of God. You know, I mean, to quote that, that man, Ignatius, you know, <laughs> Heard him. Yes, you know, I mean, <laughs> ad maiorem dei gloriam. Oh, I, I say that because I know that some Jesuits listening would think that, oh, that's great. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, Father, when we talk about work, I think it's important that we start with the dignity of work in, in every aspect of our lives. And we help young children to understand mm. that. I was talking with some of our kids in faith formation middle school kids, you know, the whole idea of getting your basic needs met. A lot of us come from the standpoint that the reason we work is because we need to meet our basic mm -hmm. needs. And yet that famous behavioralist, you know, uh, Maslow 
talked about that at the top of that pyramid, mm. we get to this thing called self-actualization. Mm. And what we, what we don't recognize is that in the research he was doing that never got published, it actually went a step beyond self-actualization. Mm-hmm. It was altruism, what we do for the, out of the generosity of our hearts to help others. And that, again, brings us back to work. Mm. And work isn't about getting our basic needs mm. met. Work is truly about giving it all for the greater glory of God and understanding that it impacts others constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in so doing, we become our true self. Mm. Because in a sense, we become what we do so that there is no sort of separation of what I do from who I am. So, so if I say to someone, I am a priest, I am a priest because I do priest, <laughs> that kind of thing, yes. you know, and, and therefore you could ask, what is that? And it is all those various things that I do to empower people for the greater glory of God and to sanctify his people. Amen. Mm. And, and I think of, of the idea that, again, that applies to all of us and mm. each of us. Mm-hmm. And there's a value to breaking it down. I am at all times Lynn's husband. Mm. I am at all times a father. I am at all times a man who believes in Jesus Christ. I don't wear that unique hat only when I punch in and punch out. Mm. And you are at all times, even when you're not at work, you are the CEO of Catholic Charities. Yes, sir. And there's no deal from any of these, really. Well, and I think, again, there's just such a beauty that if we put it in the framework of we do it all for the greater glory of God, do we ever want to say there's a moment where I don't want to give glory to God? No. Definitely not. <laughs> so it is. It's, it's perpetual. So it's 24-7. And we would do well to embrace that. Precisely, and this is why. So although in the creation we see that God worked for the six days and rested on the seventh, you know, I think the rest is more a basking in what he had created. And that is what he gives us the opportunity to do on our seventh day, hmm. yes. is to bask in his love and know that even in basking in his love, we're doing it all for the greater glory of God. Yeah. And we never stop work because, as Jesus said, my father goes on working and so must I. Amen. That's, that's what we do. So how are you going to wrap us up today, oh, Father? Well, you know, I'm just going to wrap us up with, with a little prayer. As you might <laughs> you do. Know, let us pray. God of all creation, in the beginning you formed the earth and from its clay shaped woman and man breathing into them your divine spirit. May our lives reflect not only the divine spirit that is uniquely within us, but always reverence the dignity and uphold the right of every person to share in the ongoing work and the benefits of creation with you through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Father. It was a great conversation. I think we probably have seven or eight more sessions on this one alone. Yeah, great, great chatting with you, you know. Let's do this again. All for the greater glory of God. Amen.